And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... This is Stone Gossip. Welcome back once again. We are the Live on Four Legs Pearl Jam podcast. It's Randy Sobel here with Matthew Helbig, and this is our third installment. How do you feel? We're we're getting into this, Matt. Yeah, episode three. I feel like I say episode one, episode two, episode three, but uh, whatever, man. Episode three. Episode three means we're actually legit now. We're past the pilot stage. We've uh, we've gotten approved by the network, and uh, now we're going. People. You know, either they're following along or they're not, or hopefully they're just tuning in. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we do kind of know. We've we've, we've <laughs> seen some numbers. We do have listeners, so that's good. Yeah, uh, and we thank you guys for that. And hopefully uh, past episode three, you guys will be interested because we've got some big plans and big ideas. Today is, I feel like today is really the first time that we're really... Uh, getting our hands dirty with this and we're going back to the back to the future back to the past here we got to reach back into our memories here for for this one and this is like kind of pre-adult us i mean we're adults but like we're still like straight out of college so you know this is nine years ago 2009 it's a long time ago and it's actually weird looking back saying you know oh this was backspacer tour and it's uh, strange that Backspacer's that old. It's kind, of, yeah, and it's it, it's kind of it's. You're right, Backspacer. I mean, today we're recording on the 18th. This will drop on the 21st. I think Backspacer came out uh, this week or next week of the 2009. So yeah, nine years. It was a uh, September 20th, 2009. Wow! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! So so this works out well, I guess. Yeah, sure. Perfect timing. It wasn't It wasn't all supposed to go down this way. I think that our initial idea was to have this be the second episode and do one major blockbuster episode of the first two Fenways for the first one, but we uh you know, we we needed to start a little smaller and uh, I'm glad that this one is number 3 even though uh for significant, you know, reasons I wanted this to be number 2. This is my second show ever, but it's number three. So what? We have too much to say to be combining shows together into one episode. That would have been just too long, <laughs> I think. Yeah, you know, uh, there's all all different podcasts that I listen to. The the murder ones that you talk about all the time. I listen to some wrestling podcasts. And I, some of them last five hours. And 
they're only for long car trips. That's how I see it. Yeah, and at the same time, how many long car trips a week are you doing? I used to do it all the time, and you do it all the time too. So at least it's out there. But maybe for the person that's going back and listening to this in like 2019 that's just discovering this, we give them time to on a three-hour car ride where they're like, oh, I can listen to two of them. Exactly. Maybe this com- comes back to, to haunt us in a year. Who knows? Maybe in a, a good way, a good haunting. Yeah. Friendly ghost type haunting. Yeah, it's, it's a Casper and not a, uh, I don't know, who's a bad ghost? Uh, uh, who's a bad ghost? Casper's uh, enemy. It, 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 it was- Jasper. Jasper. <laughs> Jasper, the not-so-friendly ghost. Yeah. Um, moving on there's not much to segue out of that Uh, just uh, so you guys are aware we are doing Chicago United Center 2009 this is night two that we're doing today and uh, before we get into it we have some other things that we're just going to discuss and just chat about just because it's it's a podcast and you know we want to fulfill our our duties of being podcasters so um, Matt one thing that you texted me this week that was really interesting. What did you What did you find? As some of you know, I'm a big record collector, and I go to record shows, and they have one on the island every couple months. And you know, it's always the kind of same guys. You know, the old timers they come out and they sell you their stuff, whatever. So I'm looking through some piles, and this guy says, "Oh, I got these old Grateful Dead magazines." And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Wasn't really that interested, but uh, I thought I'd check them out. And one caught my eye. It's issue number 55 of a magazine called Unbroken Chain. This is a magazine that focuses more on the jam band. It's got 1995, The Year in Review, Fish, uh, one of their Halloween shows, Widespread Panic. And of course, there's Phil Lesh from The Grateful Dead kind of right on the front cover. So as I start to look through it, it looks like it's a lot of stats and a lot of, kind of information about their shows and their tour. And then right in the middle is a big two-page spread of basically what this entire podcast is about. It's their entire 1995 year, the statistics for song plays for the entire tour. And it starts off with times played, and it's got a big number of songs. You know, Fire on the Mountain had five plays. Let me see. Uh, Uncle John's band had eight plays. You know, it's, you know, stuff like that. But then they break it down into different things. So they have first set openers, first set closers. They break those down. Second set openers, break those down. Then they have a whole section of what was played in 1994 that wasn't played in 1995. And you know what I liked? Top of the list, four times played in 1994. Baba O'Reilly. Interesting. I would have never guessed that. That's really cool. Yeah, I want to look that up. I want to hear it, actually. And that's crazy, because 95 was the year that Jerry Garcia died, right? Um, I, want to say, I want to say it was 95. Like, middle of the summer? Uh, that might be right, because they have him in here June 19th, 1995 at Giant Stadium. So he was definitely alive then. I want to say that Soldier Field was the last show, because the Pearl Jam show in 95 at Soldier Field was the follow-up to the Grateful Dead. And I feel like I read that really recently that, uh, that that was Jerry's last show. That sounds like it makes sense. Yeah. That's information we're going to have to bounce back with you on. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back with that, but it's pretty cool. They got a lot of stats here about the, uh, the spectrum. Yeah. Pretty cool. So it was really interesting seeing our idea for a podcast put into print in the mid nineties. I've always said it, that, that podcasts are the new magazines. It's kind of like, you know, if you want, 
insider information in the set in the seventies or eighties, you, you bought like these zines that some guy in his, his basement made, uh, that was popular. This is my second wrestling reference of the day, but it was popular in the wrestling scene, obviously popular in the punk music scene. Um, and now I feel, cause it was kind of a do it yourself thing. Now I feel like the podcasts have kind of taken over that same idealistic of, you know, trying to get, information and trying to get fan bases where you wouldn't necessarily have them. So, you know what? I like talking more than I like writing. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we've evolved. For sure. And, you know, you kind of had to wait the end of an entire tour to see this kind of stuff where we could go week by week, even during a tour. Sure, there, there are tours over now, but and we're going back into the history, but even as they're touring, you could even go day by day almost with a, with a podcast and but uh, it's pretty cool, you know, waiting throughout all of 1995, wait till this magazine comes out around the 1996 time. I think it says display until July 1st, 1996, and they were pulling them off the shelves. And then you could kind of go back and look at their entire year in review and see, oh, what well, you know, this is what I saw. Let me see what else they were playing. Like, what did I miss out on? Kind of all at the same time. Yeah, pretty cool. I, it reminds me kind of, you know, I, I guess... I don't know about the Pearl Jam magazine phase, if there was one at all, uh, but I know that they were doing Five Horizons up until uh, 2005. Five Horizons, really, it was, while Live Footsteps is really heavy on statistics and measurements of when they played what song, what they did, um, Five Horizons, what I'm gathering, just reading up a little bit about it, is a lot of that along with reviews and uh just kind of people that went to the show or they went to the shows themselves and and reviewed it and now i feel like the reviews because i was actually looking for reviews from 2009 from the chicago show that we're doing today and you couldn't i couldn't find anything it's all hidden within social media because once one show happens you know the first fenway show happens the, where you go for reviews for the first couple of days, you go to, to the groups, you go to the boards, and then once that show is over, it kind of fades into obscurity a little bit, and it's not really archived in the same way that books and magazines and some websites are archived. So I, I wish we had that, and if anybody knows of a good way to gather that information, that would be extremely helpful. I mean, we're lucky enough to have what we have with basically every single Pearl Jam show, a record of it in some fashion, which I'm sure a lot of bands have it, but to have such a career and to have everything right there in front of you is pretty great. So yes, maybe sometimes reviews will get lost in the mix, but I, I also think it has to do with, not that it wasn't tough to get into Pearl Jam concerts back in the day, which you know it was, but even back in 2009, you look at some of the live footage from this show, and even compared to now with the stadium shows and their, and their tours, it seems a little bit, I'd say maybe less exclusive. The production is much smaller they still had opening bands, so I think as they kind of got more and more exclusive to go see, like where it really is this event, I think keeping up with, with the band historically, I feel like has uh, been taken more seriously now. And now I think that they're at this level, I think people are backtracking to all these old shows and they're trying to find as much as they possibly can 
to really kind of fill in the entire history of the band. I agree with that. And I, I think that the bootlegs across the years have, have helped out a lot. They've helped tremendously. Anyway, so yeah, I, I think uh, we appreciate the uh, just the historical aspect of all this. So um, before we get into doing some Chicago stuff, uh, just kind of do some pre-talk here. I wanted to really talk about 2018 as a whole because we haven't gotten to it yet in the first two episodes we were so entranced with just introducing our ourselves and uh talking about what we did in boston and it was such a a fresh show that now we can kind of sit back and focus on some things that happened this year so 2018 as a whole there were 26 shows there were supposed to be 27 uh one got rained out in i believe brazil uh, one of the Lollapalooza shows, and so there ended up being five South America shows in March, uh, four European shows, and four, I'm sorry, 14 European shows, um, with about five or six festivals first in there in Germany, and uh, I think there was a Pink Pop in there as well, and then the seven Home and Away shows, so there were 26 shows in total, um, you know, it was a fun, it was fun to follow along with this the whole summer because they, you know, in Europe they're, they're going on at like two thirty, three o'clock. So it's middle of the day. I'm working at home and I know, uh, sometimes you were at the club and you were able to tune in, but man, that just thank you to everybody that was able to, to put up a live feed on that and, put it on Facebook and Periscope because that was, that was a lot of fun to pay attention. I've never done it like that before. Yeah. Aside from some bad feeds, which, uh, didn't happen that much. Got pretty lucky with the, with the feeds from the shows. I would say, yeah. I mean, sometimes it would, it would bounce back and forth where you have to dig for one and then go onto the boards again and dig for another. But you know, to, to not pay for that, like that's pretty, that's pretty awesome to be honest with you. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you take what you can get, and it wasn't that bad. Halfway through, maybe like a little less than halfway through the European shows, um, the first London show at the O2, Ed, his voice is shot. They're going through a set. They play about 27 songs in a little over two and a half hours, and his voice is shot, and you can tell the whole time uh, that he just does not have it. And people from London are saying, this is not... You know, something's up with him. He's sick. He keeps saying he's sick. Uh, he doesn't have it. And lo and behold, I don't remember if it was the next day or skip the day and it was the day after. But lo and behold, wake up in the morning and show is canceled. And Ed has to, re- has to go on voice rest. And when he does, when something like that happens, and the only other time that I can think of that they really had to cancel because of, and and this one wasn't canceled, but like just Ed leaving for health reasons. The um, the Golden Gate show uh, where Neil Young filled in '95 uh, around Mirrorball time. That's when Eddie had the stomach uh, virus. Um, I can't think of another time that it happened. I could be wrong because look, we're still learning just as much as we're trying to teach everybody here. But when that happens, what's going through your head? Well, a lot of people think that 
these guys are gods walking amongst men, but they are human, and this happens. And, you know, sometimes as they go on tour and maybe as they're getting a little older, the aggressiveness of what they used to do might not be the best thing for them anymore. And sometimes maybe you might need a few days in between. It's not that they'll stop playing completely, but Eddie is a very, very powerful and he doesn't let up any of and that. And he, he never lets up. No, he goes he goes 110% every single time, which is what makes him great. But, uh, yeah, you got to rest up sometimes. And I don't know if he was thinking he didn't have to, but you do. Everybody does. Every singer has to do that. So maybe they'll take that in, into consideration when they start longer tours. I hope it doesn't mean the tours get shorter to fill in time for rest. It's, it's just one of these, yeah, it's one of these things where they're going to have to do, instead of doing back-to-back nights in MSG, they're going to have to do a Tuesday and a Thursday or something like sure. that. Sure. You know, and that, those are sacrifices that you have to make in this stage of the game, the mid-50s. And honestly, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if, if from their point of view, they're like, we want to do this as long as we possibly can. You know, um, we don't want to retire doing this, essentially. So, or retire before we have to kind of deal. Um, so if they can do this into their 70s, how can, how can they do this deep into their 70s? They just have to consider slowing down their uh, incredibly aggressive schedule. These guys are a touring band. They've always been a touring band. They're a studio band. They do everything, and then they do... And they have side projects, And yeah. then they do everything else when they're not doing everything together. So uh, it's great that we keep getting stuff, and it's great that they keep touring, and it's great we're getting a new album, and it's great we'll get another new tour, and it's great that they sounded great on this last one, but... I 100% agree with you. If they... That's why I was, I was totally fine with them taking the night off and... and resting his voice and coming back. And I think the show that they came back was a festival show. And, and I looked at the set list and I think it was like 19 songs long. I'm like, Oh no, is that due to it just being a fest or is it due to they didn't have capacity? And then a few days after that, I think there was maybe one or two shows in between. Uh, we get the Rome show and that just, solidifies everything that it was just a one-time flaw that it was just eddie eddie got sick needed to go on voice rest and if rome proved everything it's that they can go back on to capacity in that form i would rather see them slow it down a little bit than not see them ever again and i think we you know you wanted to get to our top five sets of 2018 i think yeah let's do it yeah rome may have just missed my top because i was how dare I you i was not thrilled with the encore if i'm remembering correctly oh my god you just actually rome and uh krakow krakow got cut what the hell is wrong both with you? got cut from my list not loving the uh well, you'll see. There are things that I liked better in different encores than uh, than this one. We come from different ideas here. I like sets more based on like, okay, they played that song and wow, that was that was crazy that they played that song. They haven't played it. You are more all encompassing. How did I am? Yes, the whole thing work. I you know I look at all this that I wrote now. Uh, oh, they did this and this and this and this and this and this, and I'm seeing it because if if I was there, and I'm going to get better at this, if I was there, I can break down the set and 
critique it better. But if I'm not there, I look at the songs and I'm like, oh crap, they played Fatal? Like, that would have blown my mind if they played Fatal. But you're right. Maybe it didn't work in a spot. You gotta, you gotta sort of critique it a little bit. So, all right, go, go ahead with your five. All right, uh, and I'm gonna make this very, very clear in the beginning. This is in no particular order at all. Same with mine. I'm just, I can't yeah, do no. That. Uh, as I wrote them down and cut ones out that I that I didn't think were as good as the other ones, I went with that. So, I'm gonna kick it off with Seattle Night Two. Uh, Obvious no-brainer, yep. It's got a little of everything. It's kind of eclectic in a way. Just looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a fun set. I'm trying to look for maybe some standouts. Oh, well, Brain of Jay, of course. There you go. That, that's probably what... Thank you. Yeah, you know, this might actually be one of these sets that I did not even look as a whole because I saw Brain of Jay and it just went to number one. When I was watching the feed of that show, uh, I when I heard Brain of Jay, I immediately said, fuck, because... I, didn't, I said it much louder and much angrier um, because I knew that if they were going to play Brandon J in Seattle, that that was it. They weren't going to do it again for the home away show. So, and I was right. Yeah. So, uh, second one, I'm going. Actually, we just brought it up. Night two, oh two. Okay. Yeah, that's on my list too. Look at that. Yeah, Green Disease, love it. It's a great just run through set. Oceans, I'm just over as a song. I, I don't hate the song. It's just one where if they were to play it live, I'd say, uh, I wish maybe they had played something else. Not that, it, not that I don't like it. I'm just over it. Ooh, way to piss some people off there. I know, I know. It's a cool opener, and it's a great song. Ooh, I've only heard it once, and right. I've been dying for it ever since. That was my, it was my last on 10, so watch what you say, sir. Uh, well, hey, people should know by now, I don't really give a shit what you think about what I say, so <laughs> this one's got uh, you know, Fatal as well. I really like Mind Your Manners in the second, in the first encore. They had to do something. Right. For canceling and for all the people that traveled, uh, they had to do something special. Uh, Fatal and Around the Bend were two that stuck out to me that were ones that they don't usually do in Satan's Bed, too. I like the uh, Watchtower ending, too. Yeah. Better Man crossed off, as you and I always say. It's whatever. We see it every single time, but there's really no bad performance of Better Man, so you know it would, probably would have been pretty pretty good moving on number three an, another easy night Prague. i like Prague okay. a lot Prague, i think was on my first cuts list you got state in there you know so did they now indifference wasn't crossed off but did they do it in Prague? Um, it looks like it was an add-on but i'm not sure if they actually did it you know what i don't know i know they they only did indifference five times the whole year hmm. i think it was five it was either four or five but i'm not sure of the specifics I really don't know how this one could make your cut. You're looking at Nothing Man, Corduroy, Brain of Jay, Evolution, Tremor Christ, Lightning Bolt, Dissident. How do you go wrong with that group? Because you left Rome and Krakow off your list. I did. And that's why it was really hard. And my other one, I don't know if this, if my last one is on your list or not. So what's your other two? Other two, Padova. Which one was Padova? Pendulum Lowlight. Oh, that one's got God's Dice. That one's got Not yeah, For You. Yeah. That's one of the other Red Mosquito plays, but they also have Down. You love to use some Down. Yep. I think Crazy Mary is on most of my sets, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Big reason uh, for my Padova pick is the uh, Indifference Ender and not the Yellow Leadbetter. So also an Encore 2 Smile opener, which you know I like, and Jeremy Crossoff. So I'm all in on this set. <laughs> cool cool 
And your last one. My last one, I just feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't add this, but Fenway Night 2. Only because, as I told you, as I was going through these sets, a lot of them were killed for me because of, you know, just some shoddy encore choices that I felt weren't as good. For the most part, main sets across the board were all pretty good and pretty consistent, but I think, uh, I think they kind of shit the bed on some encores, so that had a big factor in me picking these sets. So we got Seattle Night 2, O2 Night 2, Prague, Fenway 2, and Padova. Those are my sets of 2018. Well, you know, like, obviously Fenway 2 is, is in my list. I didn't want to... I didn't want to play bias towards it because I feel like that's that's kind of like you're naming your favorite baseball players of all time and you were to say, oh, uh, Daryl Strawberry, because you grew up watching him because you're a Mets fan. You know, like that, that he's obviously not one of the best players of all time. Well, no, but I mean, one of my favorites is Keith Hernandez. So, Oh, of course. And <laughs> God knows that he should be in a Hall of Fame, but, yeah. you know, that... If you if you want to do the first base conversation, yeah, he's there. Anyway, that's conversation for another time. Yeah, you could also throw in the battle of the mustache too with other first basemen. Oh no, there's no question he wins all the time. Well, Don you know Mattingly that. is pretty epic as well. Uh, he he can he can have the eye black. All right. Give give there him. There you go. Perfect. Mattingly, I told you to trip those cybers on you. Yep. <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm going to throw in there with, with Fenway Night 2. It's not even a bias. It's even if we weren't at this show, it would have made my list. It would have made my list too if if we weren't at the show. Yeah, that's for sure. But um, the simple fact that you were at the show is you had to leave it off. Yeah, just because I, I just didn't want to play Homer. You know. But. No, I'm playing favorites on this one. That's the point. You got to play your favorite. <laughs> you, you put, you put, you put Daryl up there with Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron. Go ahead. Hey. You could do a lot worse than Daryl Strawberry, let me tell you. You can, absolutely can. You absolutely can. Um, all right. My top five. Seattle 2. Yep. Um, again, Brain of Jay. That's my white whale at the moment that I would absolutely flip out for. So if anybody has any connection with the band for, you know, whenever the next show I go to, that they can just kind of whisper in their ear, Brain of Jay, Brain of Jay, Randy from that podcast wants it. Or if any of you guys in the band are listening to this podcast. That's that's more of a white whale, but now, yes, <laughs> notice to you guys, set makers out there, I, the search and destroy and the encore to me that that made the show with everybody there missing the the tribute to Cornell and yep that that all made the show footsteps second song in again awesome uh, Krakow is second on my list wow. uh, other side of the girl opener Green Disease All or None. Songs that you never get to hear. Awesome. Just awesome, awesome set list. I remember uh, streaming that the whole time. And I was just, every single time they played something, my my jaw was just dropped to the floor. Uh, Rome, just another one. I, again, 35 songs. And it was right after, it was literally a week after Ed had went on bed rest, uh, voice rest. And... You're telling me that that was kind of a meh, encore. Uh, they played Black Diamond, man. I know you're not a Kiss fan, but shit. Who is a Kiss fan? Um. Oh my god. I know them. Uh, they're out there. And you can't say Gene Simmons. No, he's probably less of a Kiss fan than than most people are. He's just a. Gene he's a, he's a kid. 
Well, yeah, he's a Kiss fan for the money, for sure. Um, <laughs> well, Matt Cameron's a Kiss fan. He sings it. I think the guys over in Foo Fighters are Kiss fans, too, right? That would, that would make a lot of sense. Probably make a lot of sense. Anyway, uh, last two. Uh, London 2, like we mentioned before, my last one that we didn't even mention, didn't have in common, Berlin. And Yeah, uh, you know what I meant to say? Berlin was, I kind of had a hard time crossing that one off, but that was up there as well. Well, the thing with me in Berlin is that um, watching the stream of it, during Porch, everybody throwing their cup holders in the air. Uh, it was just such a cool scene. They were throwing them on stage, and it just looked like such a freaking cool frenzy. Uh, the atmosphere was one of the, the only non-festival shows in Europe that was outside. So it just had this like an, this really cool feeling. It looked like it, it was... During the day, for the most part, yeah. it looked like it was still light out. So the venue is very like Pink Floyd at Pompeii. It looks old. It looks very that's German. A, that's a place I would love to see a show in. Oh, me too. Like that tent that they have up that the stage was under. Yeah, it looked like you you go there for for like Oktoberfest and you sit under the tent and you eat uh, sausage and, and drink beer and eat pretzels. Like that's you know it, it felt it felt so traditional that like just seeing seeing everything the visualization with the set list um tons of no code uh in my tree sometimes habit and red mosquito like that's all freaking awesome so my five again seattle two, krakow rome berlin london two, and uh fenway two is an obvious add-in if you want to say that i'm not being biased but Right, and uh, my add-on would be Krakow if I if I could add a sixth. Okay. Really, anything with green disease on it, I could I could get on board with. Fenway should add green disease, but I digress. Oh, I know. All right, so um, let's take a second to mention uh, some things that we're doing with Patreon. Matt, take it away. Okay, we started our Patreon page. And this is a chance for you guys to show some support other than listening and subscribing, which we are also uh, very appreciative of. We are not looking for money handouts. Of course, people want you to donate to pay a salary. Randy and I are not interested in taking any kind of profit. Everything that's donated goes towards the podcast, whether it be merchandise or meetups or giveaways anything like that it goes back to you too it's not just us it goes back to stuff that we want to do for you it, it all comes back we we have all the listeners in mind we're not looking to make any money also a big thing that we're going to be setting up is we're going to be doing a lot of charitable donations and charities too we have some ideas for that in the works so keep an eye out on our patreon page and we'll have different goals set up where you could donate for different charities. We'll be able to go into more detail with that in the upcoming months. We have some stuff for Thanksgiving and Christmas that we're going to put together. But uh, right now on Patreon, we have a goal set up, and it's to get you guys some merchandise up in a store, or if you just want to donate for the hell of it. But we do have giveaways and incentives, of course. Like we said, we don't want to just take your money. We want to make sure that you get something for it. So should I go down the list of rewards for donating? Yeah. Okay. A top tier is a $40 donation. You'll receive an exclusive Live on Four Legs t-shirt, which we'll be uh, revealing soon. A Live on Four Legs sticker. You'll get a shout-out on the show. And kind of a cool little thing here, the opportunity to pick an episode. We want you to tell us what Pearl Jam show to cover on the, uh, on the podcast. 
So that'll be in your hands, and we'll try to research it as best we can, or we'll just have you on the show with us. Next, we have a $20 donation. That's where we're going to be giving away special gift bundles consisting of merchandise from the 2018 Home Away Shows. This is big time while supplies last. We don't have enough stuff to give away to $120 donators, but we do have a bunch of stuff that we stocked up from these shows. Good mix of stuff. It'll be random, but we'll try to get you stuff that you don't have. Sorry, we don't have posters, but we'll try to get some of those next time. Along with that, you'll also get a Live on Four Legs sticker and a shout-out on the show. Next up, we have a $10 donation. That's a shout-out on the show, and you'll get a Live on Four Legs sticker. We're going to give you one of our Live on Four Legs print sets that we had in Boston with us. And uh, Randy and I will write you a nice little thank you letter and send it over to you with all the stuff. If you donate $5, you'll get a Live on Four Legs sticker, and you'll get one of those nice little thank you letters from Randy and I. Also, a shout-out on the show. And if you donate a buck, you'll get a shout-out on the show from Randy and I. Now, the only thing that we have to uh, mention here is, as of right now, shipping must be limited to the lower 48 states. But if you are listening to us from overseas or Canada, wherever you might be, and you become a Patreon, we'll have some gifts for you. Basically, let us know how we could pay you back. We could have you call in. You could submit a suggestion for an episode. We'll give you a shout-out on the show, and we'll add your name to the list of patrons that have donated towards charitable organizations, so every dollar will go directly towards charity. So yeah, we, uh, we need your help to bring you the best stuff that we can, and we want to keep this going, and we want you guys to look good. So uh, donate and reach out. You know, like I said, a lot of it's going to be going towards charity and towards a good cause and the less fortunate. And um, just in one week, in a little less than one week's time, we already have three patrons, uh, three people that donated, so they are getting their shout-out in episode three. Uh, shout out to our, our, um, I'm so sorry. Our, our, Aurelian, 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 um, from France. Um, I am not French and if I butchered it, I'm sorry. And we'll give you another shout out next week. If you, if you let us know what we butchered. Um, and if you're listening, shoot us a message. I know I was talking to you on Instagram, shoot us a message and let us know how we could pay you back for your donation if you have an idea for a show if you want to give a call in since we're not doing international shipping right now uh hit us up and we'll figure something out for you yep so but thank you so uh our our friend from france aurelian uh sal espinoza and john farrar uh those are our patrons for this week and we give a shout out to you guys you guys are our ogs we love you guys we hope you continue to listen and we hope to provide you with the best content possible for yes. weeks and weeks and weeks. And we weeks. have you guys marked down for the rewards. We're just letting this go for a couple more weeks uh, into October, and then uh, we'll be getting in touch with you where to where to send your, your gifts for donating. So thank you, guys. All right. Um, now on to something that might be the reason why you tuned into the podcast, but wait, there's more. Mm. So... <laughs> Um, Chicago, 2009, United Center. They have not played since. And it was a two-night event in August where they were doing kind of small tours at the time. It was pre-Backspacer, and it was kind of, I guess, Backspacer hype, so to speak. Um, you know, I think they did a little bit overseas and uh, a little bit 
around the country here and there, maybe some festivals over the summer. But um, this two night in Chicago was a pretty big deal at the time. And uh, you were at night one. I was not. Uh, I had started my uh, wonderful, awesome job that uh, I am no longer at um, with a popular television company. Um, you were at night one and you were there with Steve. So what do you remember from it? Looking back on the set, I did not listen to the bootleg of this one, but it was 2009. They were pretty much crushing it at every single show. Nothing really to, uh, to say negatively. I, you know, I, I, I regret missing this show because there are in total five songs, four originals that played the show that I had never seen before. God's Dice, Sad, Man of the Hour, and Supersonic. And uh, I would have killed, like, Sad and Man of the Hour got two of my favorites. Uh, Supersonic finishes Backspacer for me, and God's Dice is another great one off of uh, Binaural. So that was night one, and I have no recollection from it because I was probably at work until 3 o'clock in the morning. But uh, what happened was I, I, you know... How old were we? 23? Um, so my experience being on planes, I don't know if that was the first time that I'd ever gone on a plane by myself or if I just hadn't done it in a long time until then. I got to the airport really early. I'm like, okay, get everything ready. I'm sitting at the terminal with my headphones in. I'm just minding my own business. And I guess my flight was at 1030, let's say. And this is day of show. 10.30 comes around. I'm like, hey, um, just curious. When are you guys uh, call, calling people up? They're like, you know that it's supposed to be a half hour before. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, can I get on now? And they're like, no, we're about to take off. Like, yeah, but the plane's still there. Can I get on? No, we're about to take off. <laughs> I completely missed boarding calls. And they were apparently calling my name over the loudspeaker, and I was just sitting there minding my own business, listening on my headphones. Didn't you realize everybody around you getting up and walking away? Yeah, um, I probably did. I probably didn't. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it, it took me a while before I really figured out what my intelligence level was in this life, and now I, I, I feel <laughs> like I'm at a point where I, I, I know stuff better now. I guess at that time I, I, I was just not, uh, I was not up on it. And, uh, Oh boy, you live and learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So poster from this night, uh, Matt, the poster snob, um, you don't like this particular poster. It is of a space creature that looks a little bit, um, suggestive. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, there's a DNA strand space creature with a dickhead. Uh, let's call it what it is, Randy. And, uh, okay. And it's, you can. and it's chasing people around and, uh, this poster sucks. It's just ugly. It's, uh, it's by Dan Perkins who goes by Tom tomorrow and he did the artwork for backspacer. So it makes sense that he did the artwork for the poster, you know, back then before they were doing multiple posters for two day stints at, at the same location. But yeah, just uh, a weird poster, strange poster, uh, not pleasing to look at. And again, this is just my opinion, and I would love for you guys to write into us on Facebook and tell me why you like the poster. 
Because it's funny, I, I rather enjoy his work on the Backspacer album cover, and I like his other posters that he's done for Pearl Jam as well. This one is just, <laughs> I'm not sure what was going on. Yeah, I, I have this one. Um, it's not my least favorite, and it's not my favorite. It's somewhere, I don't know, probably bottom, middle-ish. I don't know. Your least favorite is Hartford, right? What? No. Hartford? I thought you didn't like the, that poster. The Gorilla? Yeah. I love the gorilla. Oh. No, everybody, nobody, nobody else likes the gorilla. Oh, I love I the love gorilla. It. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were one of yeah. the other people. Okay, good. No, I like that poster no, too. No, 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 no. Oh, the it's it's simple, but it's it's just yeah, I I, I love it. I mean, it, it 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 reeks of beer. I I accidentally like dipped it in beer. They didn't have any uh, poster tubes left. That was the last time I made that mistake. I'm not even going to ask you how that happens. I'm just going to let you keep going. <laughs> We'll get to that episode at some point. Um, so before the band begins to play, anyway, um, we actually endure an opener here. And uh, they announced the opener, I want to say like a week and a half before the show. And when they announced the opener was Bad Religion, I lost my shit. One of my favorite bands of all time. I was I was into I was into the punk scene, and uh, you know I, I had seen Bad Religion about I don't know four or five times before this, and even had the first time I was supposed to see them, uh, the show got canceled. So when obviously when they announced Bad Religion, I was freaking the fuck out. I was so happy, um, and yeah, I, even a thirteen song set here, they were fucking. Money, they were gold, they were awesome. There's something about seeing Graffin live. He's oh he's he's so good. It's like he's a preacher. I, yes, he does this thing with his his hand. He, yes. he puts his hand out. He's almost like reaching out to you. He, yep, he points to people. He yeah. He you know he had a he's got a PhD from Cornell. He sure does in social sciences. Yeah, something sociology. like that. Yeah, he's. You could tell he's just like a smart guy. He's intellectual with his writing. It's not just punk. For punk's sake, you could tell. You could tell this guy. Right. You know, he's he knows what he's talking about. And not only that, but you wouldn't think this with a band like that. But Bad Religion writes all of their songs on piano and acoustic before translating them to punk. Yeah, and I could see that being a, a good way to record stuff like that because uh, almost like if you can get it to sound good in a stripped down acoustic folk type setting. But there's, I think there's uh, more room for you to uh, expand on it. Sure does. And not only that, but uh, if you, if you're a bad religion fan and haven't heard Greg Graffin's solo work, and if you're not a bad religion fan and haven't heard Greg's Greg Graffin's solo work, go hear Greg Graffin's solo work, please. Oh my God. Cold as the clay. Oh my God! It's 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 very folksy. It's very Midwest. It's very uh, you know it's that style, but it's just it's just tremendous, tremendously written, tremendously talented. He had uh, a newer album. I think it came out about a year ago that uh, I, I listened to once, and, and again blown away. Um, I, they're just they're just that very rare breed of band from that era that lasted all these years. Um, I just saw something pop up on my Facebook today that uh, a week ago was the 30th anniversary of Suffer. Wow. Yeah, that came out in 1988. So they've been doing this a long, long time. Anyway, uh, 
Let's rock. Let's get into Pearl Jam. Here we are once again. Good think is a surprise to a lot of people uh, in the arena that night because it's such a, a rare song as it is. And uh, overall, including this night, it has only been played eight times as an opener. And since that night, it's only been played 10 times overall. So that's, man, hard to imagine is, again, this is coming, this is my second show. So knowing a little bit more to what, what to expect, but not expecting the unexpected. I, I guess I, I, I figured it was going to be release or oceans or something and getting hard to imagine was just kind of flabbergasting. And I don't know if I appreciated it at much at that time as I would have appreciated it now. And I'll be saying that a little bit throughout the rest of this breakdown, but that's a great opener. I also like on the setlist website it says um, 41 times played by two artists, and I said two two artists. So it says first played in concert May 13th, 1993, by Pearl Jam. Most recently played August 11th, 2018, by No Code, the Pearl Jam <laughs> tribute band oh, at Romanowski Beer Garden in Westfield, New Jersey. So thanks, No Code, for, for oh, <laughs> playing Hard to Imagine. <laughs> yeah, right. At least they're not going chalk. They probably went right into Daughter, though, right? I don't know. I'd have to look up their set list. After, after, their, after all their fans all went to get beer. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to go see them. So uh, if the guys in No Code are listening, uh, uh, shoot us a message. Let us know where we could see you guys next. The next time from this show that it, was, that it would get played would be 84 shows later in 2012 in Berlin. So if anybody's listening out there, hard to imagine should get played a lot, lot, lot more. Not much more to say about that. The great placement there. And we go right into Corduroy, which is in its rightful number two spot. And from Corduroy, we go into number three. Matter not to me 
we're going to get to the set list uh, and how it was coordinated in a second. But um, I played the clip of In My Tree here because I find it so strange that they've gone through big gaps of time without playing the song, which is, to me, I guess, like when Jack left the band, I understand that um, you know, that was Jack, that was a Jack song and that was his live moment. Um, but they still looking at it, this, this version, it hadn't been played since 2006 before they played it this night. So 73 show absence. And even though it's a Jack song, that's just killing it the whole time. It's a great song too, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big gap. And not only that, so this it's not the first time they've done it. So they've gone other long stretches without playing it. 48 shows between 05 and 06, 69 shows between 2000 and 2003, and 63 shows between what was probably the Jack Irons absence in 98 and 2000. So gotcha. that's just for a song that, you know, I, speaking to a lot of fans around this time period, uh, you know, still trying to figure out my Pearl Jam legs and, and what was going to be my all-time favorite songs and everything. I feel like everybody that I ever asked said In My Tree was their favorite song, like, growing up. And then once they got older, Breath became their favorite song. Uh, all right, so let's continue on here. Oh, Randy, I just want to let you know that the most recently played version of In My Tree was by No Code, the Pearl Jam tribute band at Teak Rooftop in Red Bank, New Jersey on September 9th, 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they did that whole New Jersey tour, huh? When are they getting to Patterson? And uh... I'm, I'm guessing they're from New Jersey. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I hope they listen. Yeah, me too. This is the second time we've plugged them. Um, this goes from In My Tree into Last Exit. And from last exit into all night. And before the song, Eddie, pretty much every time he's ever played all night, says, we're here, we got all night. Okay, cool. Thanks, Ed. Uh, it was the 11th time they'd ever played it out of 26 overall. So it's it's a pretty rare one. But I've seen it five times, and I saw it at my first show in 08. So every time that I see it, I'm kind of like, Oh, this is my rare song for the night. Uh, not crazy about it. And you know, it's kind of your rare song for your life now. It's you're probably just going to keep getting it. Yeah, and it's not one of my. I like the song. I think I like it more on a live recording, but live, it's. I like it a lot because it's just uh, it's uh, it's it's a great classic rock song. You know, it's it's got a great sound. It's a great live song. See, I, listening to it live. Like at the show, being there at the show, listening to it, I, I can't get into it as much. And maybe hearing it so often early on uh, has exposed me to it, but never, never has been one of my favorite live songs. But I like listening to the bootleg and listening to it back. I, I you know, they were tight on this. Randy, if you want to get into it, um, this is where maybe we could talk about a problem that you and I both have with this set list. And that's that no code played this in like, uh, what new Newark last week. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Is that the order of this set list is kind of, uh, lopsided. I feel. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that we, 
agree and disagree at the same point. So we both agree that it is a, a strange order. Um, we might disagree on where we would put songs, but we both agree that we wouldn't have written it out this way, at least. Yeah. Uh, all right. So how how would you have done? Okay. First of all, you have to think of content of the song. So up all night being a number five is dumb. I think that needed to be. If you do it at all, I mean, listen to what the song's about. I mean, don't do it number five. Do it number three, two. I don't know, because you know we like Corduroy in the number two spot, but it's it's not really working here with these songs. I would do Hard to Imagine, then I would do In My Tree, then I would do Corduroy. Oh, we're completely different. Uh, in My Tree, I think has better build up into a faster pace. If you need to do Corduroy second. I would not follow it within my tree. I would follow it with Last Exit, and then I probably would have All Night. I wouldn't have All Night in there at all, actually. Here, here's, my, here's my thing. So at this time, they weren't really doing the slow build. That didn't come until about uh, the Lightning Bolt tour. So if they were doing the slow build, I would say, like, hard to imagine, then a low light, then an In My Tree, and then a Corduroy. That would be fantastic. But they weren't doing it that time. So I, I just... I'm sort of, you know, I wouldn't place it there, especially if we're going back back at that point. Um, I would do it this way. I would keep Hard to Imagine and Corduroy there, and I would just just kind of jump in my tree. I would, I would go Corduroy to Last Exit to All Night to In My Tree. Then they can stop and talk and go into Nothing Man. Right, but we also have a problem with where, no, or at least I have a problem with where Nothing Man sits. I think that's an okay spot for it. Uh, well, let's let's talk about it. Do you have anything to say about Nothing Man? Here? Um, I had no notes on Nothing Man. I thought that this was uh, the Nothing Man version where Ed did the Nazi salute and talked about the Nazi salute, um, but it's not. Uh, that's a story for another time. Uh, before Nothing Man, Ed did say that this crowd that was a Monday felt more like a Sunday night crowd than Sunday night crowds did, and I don't know. Um I don't know if Ed was really digging the crowd because he asked a couple times. He's like, "You guys in it? You guys in it?" And any anyway, and maybe he was just trying to psych himself up. Uh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna play a clip of this here. Um, yeah. It's the ninth time that it was ever played, and I guess during this whole August tour, you know, the Backspacer promotion really started before the tour, and the Fixer was the single. It was the one, um, and it was like a like we said a month before it came out. It, it's almost nine years old now, and the video came out, and I remember the commercials, and the commercials have the, the fixer video and 
at the end, you see the stamp on it. It says, Target Exclusive Album. How did you feel about Pearl Jam becoming a big box exclusive uh, to to a big box place? I have no feeling about it. The Who said it the best, you know. Isn't The Who considered one of the very first bands to sell out, and so they played up the whole... Well, they wrote an album called Who Sells Out. I, well, yeah, they, they played up the whole thing, and I'm pretty sure it was The Who. I might have to, I'm going to have to look this up, but they said if you need to sell out to keep the music alive, then do it. So who knows? Did uh, But did they need to? Well, in their mind or in the studio's mind or in the company's mind, did Avocado not do as well as they hoped? Were Pearl Jam in some kind of trouble? Did they need to sell more records? No, I, I, I don't, thought Avocado did pretty well. I don't have the numbers for either record on me to tell you you know, where one sold well and what they were on the billboard charts. But I remember Avocado doing pretty well. It was about a four-year layoff from that, from Riot Act. So before you go into thinking, oh, this is wrong for this to be a Target exclusive for Pearl Jam, blah, 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 blah. I never said it was wrong. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about everybody. In general. Okay. Think of it this way. Do you think Pearl Jam for one second would have done it if they weren't okay with it? No. No, of course they wouldn't have. So there was something going on, something in their minds. They did it for a reason, and they did it. And it's not the mid-90s anymore where they're getting banned from MTV or anything like that. you got to run with the changes, and you got to change with the times. If they want to sell out of Target, sell out of Target. I, don't, I go to Target every day. I don't care. And you know what? I'm, I'm happy that it was a place like Target that I'm okay stepping into. If it was a Walmart, then I'm like, I really got really to go into Walmart? Agreed. Buy this? I agree. So, you know, Target... I. You know, I'm okay going into Target. It's clean, and uh, you know, I like to scrummage through the toys. But um, I got that red card, man. Five percent off everything. Sure, you have to. You gotta. Overall, I guess maybe at first I was kind of like, "What the fuck? Uh, what the fuck are they doing?" But I bet you almost nobody remembers it now because at that point everybody was starting to buy off iTunes anyway. So what did it matter? And I think nothing of it because I like hard copies. I'm a vinyl collector. I like getting the CDs. I like having it in my car. And uh, places like Best Buy and Target aren't carrying uh, CDs anymore at all. So, well, YouTube releases uh, put puts a puts an album in everybody's pocket now. You know that's what happens. All right. So that was Fixer, and we go from Fixer into Evenflow. And so can I just I just wanted to say before we forget and go off on a bunch of tangents, if we had changed nothing from one to from hard to imagine to all night, I would have put the fixer in the number six spot and nothing man in the number seven because the fixer is not as heavy as all night and it's not as loud or fast, I guess you could say. So I think that would have maybe step the energy down, especially for a new song. You know, it might not be as familiar yet. Right. Then you do Nothing Man. I don't, I think putting Nothing Man in between All Night and The Fixer is uh, a very weird place to do that. And uh, But does it give you the barrier before Fixer where you're saying, okay, here's a cool down and now we're going to give you something that's new and fresh. So if you like it, you're going to kind of remember it because it kind of came after a small cool down period. No, only because I feel like the fixer works better for an interlude into a cooldown. Okay. Well, it, maybe it does now, but did it back then? That's what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess they would know better from playing new songs uh, live, uh, of course. Yeah, no, I think it serves better. And listen, it's one song away. It's six or seven. It's still early in the set. I think that wouldn't really make a difference where it is, unless. Uh, but it's it's it makes the difference what's coming before or after it. And I think Nothing Man out of All Night before the fixer. I don't think it really works there. We're we're really. Man, we're we're getting deep into this one. Uh, I li- I like it, but um, let's let's continue getting a little deep, uh, even with even flow here. And I'm gonna bring this up for the first time because this being my second show, I even during even flow, I said okay, piss break, and I remember doing that because <laughs> I, I knew I knew it was a 10 minute song, and I knew you know I knew where the bathroom was. I was gonna run to the bathroom, and you know during uh, Mike solo, I was gonna come back and. Second show though, second show. So, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say it. Should even flow be your piss break? <sighs> or is it disrespectful? A. Or is it just do whatever you got to do? But like, if you're going to 100 shows, you've seen even flow 98. You and you gotta pee because you're you're drinking all day. I get it. I get it. But again, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't play it, right? They should always play even flow. I will say they should always play it. Now, it could be your piss break, I say, if you if you really need to go. But I mean, come on. I mean, you've seen it a hundred times and it's it's awesome every time. It's they start it and you say, Oh, even flow again, but halfway through you're like, This is awesome, you know? It's I have no problem hearing it live because uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna come up as long as it sounds good every time. I'm fine with it. Yeah, and and it and that's the thing. It, it it's a song that honestly, like Mike tears it up. Cameron, for some parts, this is Cameron's one time to shine. So you know, like in the later years, in my later years of of going, I've I've gotten rid of the piss break mantra and I, I I've sat there and I've just kind of said, okay, it's even flow time. And I've, I've tried to appreciate it a lot more. Um, however, there are people that just don't appreciate it. And, uh, and Ed confronts one of them. So listen to this. How's that for Mr. Mike McCready on the right hand guitar? He has to play that song or else he'll fucking kill somebody. And I have a nominee for, uh, Mike, next time you don't play that song, this guy right here. This guy, he's wearing a shirt that says, no even flow, I suggest you kill him first. I know you can take him by yourself, but if you need help, I'm, I'm, you know, the thing is, sir, we take requests, not orders. You should know better than that. They, they take requests and not orders, man. Like, you can't put it any better than that. You're there to see them play. They're not there to hear your opinion on their biggest song of all time. Right. And honestly, like, there's always going to be, you know, 
20% of the audience that has never seen them for uh, at all, seeing them for the first time. And I remember one of the Fenway shows in 2016, some people were sitting in front of us and they, they looked like they were in their 40s, standing there, kind of bombing their head a little bit. But they play Evenflow, you know, nine song in like, like here. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, I know this one. They bob a little heart. And it's not for the person that has been there a hundred times that goes to the bathroom. It's for the person that gets the chance to bob a little heart. Pearl Jam's good about that. They they know that everyone there is probably diehard, has seen them a lot. And they put a lot into the day, into getting tickets, which is a, the, the number one hurdle, into traveling, into whatever it is. But they also are aware that at every single show, there are first-timers. And we met a lot of first-timers. We meet a lot of first-timers every time we go to a Pearl Jam show. And a lot of them are kids. Yeah, and I really... Like young kids, 16 years old. Yeah, sure, and it, that's fantastic. But I really appreciate... Listen, say you don't want to listen to Even Flow or you don't want to listen to Alive or you don't want to see these. The fact of the matter is they're playing to every single person in that crowd, and I really appreciate that. And they're going to do that forever. So get used to it or... Or uh, go to the bathroom. Or go to the bathroom. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, so we go from Even Flow into a song that um, the people are probably zipping up their flies and running back to their seat to go see, and, and it's present tense. You know that's what I would be doing. Oh, of course. Love this song live. Love this song live. Me too. I, I feel like at this time um, I didn't appreciate No Code as much as I do now back mm-hmm. then. Um, I feel like... No Code and Binaural were sort of near the bottom, and I was very heavy into verses, very heavy into Vitalogy and Yield, obviously. But um, No Code wasn't heavy on my list, and uh, I apologize to my you know nine year ago self for not being smart enough to realize that that's my second favorite album today. I'm with you on that, and I told you that No Code has recently just replaced verses for me in that spot as well. Incredible. Uh, I just, I don't know if it was just underappreciated or what, but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's take this moment to, to apologize to our younger selves. That's okay. We all make mistakes. It's okay. I, I forgive you and you forgive me. And I forgive me. (laughs) Uh, Ed talks after this and mentions bad religion and thanks the fans in front for coming up and watching them. Uh, says he heard him for the first time when he was 16 Think about that. We mentioned that Suffer was 30 years old. Uh, Ed yeah. was probably in bed radio in 88. So, you know, right. they still rock out like they're 16. Said he hadn't, they hadn't played with Bad Religion since 95, since the Soldier Field show, which I mentioned before. And this one that was played that night is dedicated to Greg and the Boys, and it was Whipping. And we go from Whipping into Not For You, and out of 11 songs... Can you guess how many were Vitalogy? Uh, five. Five. That that's pretty. That's awesome. That's an awesome start. I would say. What do you think? I thought they had seven for this set altogether because this again this is a this is a crazy mix set, um, uh, diversity wise, which I really love. Even with Lost Dogs and, and covers. Um, it's very true. Uh, daughter up next with another brick in the wall tag. Um, if you can call it that, I guess. Yeah. I guess the another brick and mortar wall tag is is better than the Blitzkrieg Bop tag because they're not really 
tags. You know what they were calling those that aren't quite tags? They were calling them snippets. Snippets. Yeah. It's like a snippet, which is just it's stupid. Let's just it's a tag. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I don't well, that's a, the, the thing is, I don't I don't I just don't I don't want to say snippet again. No, but like <laughs> I get a tag for it's okay as a tag because right, 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 right. they're they're playing the actual song. But yeah. for both of these, for Brick and the Wall and Blitzkrieg Bop, they don't play the song. They just kind of go with whatever rhythm they had and sing the lyrics to it. So Correct. whatever you want to call it, fine. I, I call it I call it rubbish because I would rather hear WMA or It's Okay a hundred times out of a hundred. So it's, it's like a it's like a blurb. I don't know. I I wrote down here in my notes, it's Eddie reciting some words. It's like George Costanza needs to get the Time magazine because there's a blurb about him. You know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, move on. We're middle of the set. We're rocking. And uh, from daughter into brother. Such a cool song. Yeah. Since this is uh, not heard live very often in their history, we'll get to that in a sec. Let's, uh, let's listen to it real quick. I would love to listen to a snippet of Brother, if that's okay with you, Randy. No, I'd rather tag it. All right, let's do a Brother tag. <laughs> that more of a snippet or a tag uh it depends on how i edit it i'm gonna edit it into a tag <laughs> i'm gonna I'll, I'll let it go a little longer um okay so ed intros it and says it's older than their oldest song and it's old enough to drive and soon it'll be old enough to drink Jeez. and now it's about uh 27 years old probably yeah. this was the sixth time they played this out of eight overall and wow. a lot of it, they played a little bit during uh, this time period because the 10 Redux came out around here. Remember that Brother was released on Lost Dogs uh, instrumental without any lyrics. So then we got Brother on the 10 Redux and it had lyrics. So that was the first time we'd ever heard any, anything from that. And you know what would, would be cool? If they did Daughter brother, my father's sons, and then they covered Pink Floyd Mother. Ooh. I, li- I like that. Or they did the whole Mama song. Then they could do some Mamas and Papas. <laughs> Big Brother and the Holding Company. Uh, that was Janis Joplin. We can keep going, but we're not going to. It was, yeah. Um, so they played it once in 91. Play- went nearly 800 shows. 798 shows without it being played until... Uh, Calgary in 2009, which was the same tour. And the last time it's been played today, um, 
before today. Uh, 2010 in New Jersey is the last time it's been played, and we are still sitting on however many shows that is from eight years ago. Was it No Code, the Pearl Jam tribute band that played it in New Jersey? Um, no, they just tagged Daughter with it. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, it goes from Brother into Gone, which is another one that they haven't played a lot since this show. Three times since this show, and 42 overall, and my question is why? This is an avocado one, so this is all you, Eric. Yeah, uh, this is, it's funny, this is a song that whenever I see I'm like, oh, Gone, I know the song. I always mistake it for something, and I don't even have an example because I don't know what I mistake it for. I, it's always it's just this one song. It's really like a peppy, kind of upbeat, fun song, and I think whenever I think Gone, I think of more like, like a black. Because it, it has two emotions to it. It starts off, and it starts off sad, and why? And the reason why I feel like it might get lost in the shuffle is because Inside Job and Come Back from the same album, which are almost in that order with army reserve and the reprise thrown in there. Um, those are like the two that you pull out from avocado and say, like, those are the heavy tracks. Right. And maybe gone gets lost in the shuffle, especially live. Um, right. Cause you know, I I've seen come back a bunch of times live after, uh, you know, as a tribute to people that have passed and, Man, that's an emotional live song. Inside Job, I've only seen once and maybe not appreciated as much at the time, but I would kill to see it again. So, but Gone, like, if I heard Gone, I would, I'd be like, oh, cool. All right. Yeah, they're playing Gone. That's awesome. But I don't think I would come out of the night saying, oh, my God, they're playing Gone. It's not a song where I would walk away from the end of a night and say, oh, I wish they had played gone because like i said it kind of like we were just talking about it kind of gets lost a little bit we kind of forget about it until it's played and then you're like right what's the name this is gone that's right yeah i don't know why it's a weird song like that i i don't know i don't know why my brain works that way why your brain works that way with it the deep cut yeah you know what they just kind of slipped it in there on this set yeah you know what other song from that album is has turned into deep cut that people have forgotten about Marker in the Sand. I love that song. So do I. Um, gone into something if you need it. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. But if you need it, it's there. Because they got some. And at the time, through, through that whole Backspacer tour in 2012, uh, 2010, that's fine. If they were going to play Got Some anyway, I didn't mind it. I think it was not until later, a couple of years later, that they were still playing it. That I'm like, okay, off that album, that's not the song that should be sticking around. I thought that like unthought known obviously stuck around, but gonna see my friend should have stuck around, not got some. So that's, that's part of my dis distaste for it. So, uh, you know, it was a single, so, and they're selling it in target. <laughs> so you knew it was going to be a, it was going to be around to, to stay forever. Yep. But at this point I didn't mind it. And we go to got some to do the evolution and from do the evolution alive. Yes. So I, alive plays here. And this was the only time I haven't seen it in its like its rightful throne in the uh, correct the semi closing spot of uh, going into rock in a free world led better kind of kind of combo. You have even flow and alive both in set one. Yeah, which makes 
Encore one and two extremely unpredictable and very exactly. I don't yeah. think I realized that at the time. I think when you go to more shows onward and, and forward, you pick up on the trends a little more. But at the time, I'm like, oh, they just played a live and it closed out a set, and it makes sense because it's a live. Uh, let's not say that it doesn't make sense. It makes complete sense, but it also adds to the shock of seeing them because that's different. I'd be surprised if they were to ever do that again. But again, that's the shock. We could go next year, and they could be doing that all the time. Who knows? I, I, I hope I hope they change it up just a little bit. You know, I, I know yeah, it's yeah. it's in that spot for a reason because it's just it, it gives you this like warm feeling of like we went through this twenty eight song you know just monster set, and it's kind of like that. I mean, it's the ultimate arena rock song with that. Um, I've always said alive. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle and Back in Black are like the three best songs that you can hear in an arena. And I've only heard one of them in an arena, by the way. So uh, Don't forget, uh, and I'm not a huge fan of his, but you got to add Born to Run in there, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I apologize. That was, that was bad on me. Yeah, Bruce needs to be in there. I'm not a fan, and I don't even really like the song at all. But I have to give credit where credit's due because I'm sure in an arena, that might be one of the most incredible things you'll ever see. I've seen Bruce twice, and yeah, um, with the saxophones going off and the band just, yeah, oh my God, that's great. Um, Yeah, I fully agree with you. And it's just a surprise. It's it's a nice little surprise. Um, Let's move forward. We're in the first encore. And Ed finishes a bottle and he says, it's the third quarter. We haven't won this fucking thing yet. Uh, takes a request from Thomas Young, who was in the documentary about the war in Afghanistan. Uh, I apologize. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember the name of the documentary at this point, but uh, he was a veteran at the time. Uh, and his brother, Nathan, in the audience as well, also served. Uh, he had his whole family there, his younger brother, Timmy, and his mother, Kathy, was there. And basically, Ed goes on about a little bit about his situation and how um, I'm just going to bring to Ed why they played this song. Basically, you got to play it. Sorry, Timmy, I didn't mean to say fuck. I'm sorry.
Timmy, if you're listening, we've said fuck a couple of times on this show. I know you're a little older, but I hope you're not offended. Um, okay, so he plays uh, No More for, uh, for the Young Family, uh, which is an anti-war song, obviously, and it's off of the Into the Wild soundtrack, but it's like kind of a bonus B-side track from iTunes or Amazon. Yeah, I guess it was like a, what, maybe like a download on our platform, you get the song with it, like an extended copy, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that, that's probably it. Um, sort of like what iTunes did with Backspacer. I think iTunes gave you like an extra version of the fixer or gave you the music video to download. So. Yeah, it might have been like the music video. I know I know they were doing that with, with a lot of albums back then. They've only played the song once since 2010, and, and it's never heard from since. So we go into that, uh, into Comatose, and it's in the correct key, and this version kicks ass. And that's all I That's have right, because uh, they were young chickens back then, and uh, they could do it. <laughs> uh, Comatose is one of, like, the few, because at this time they were really sort of, you know, kind of like what they did with uh, Backspace or Lightning Bolt. They were kind of weighing some of the the tracks out, like we said. Marker in the Sand out. Gone would be out shortly after this. Um, Army of Reserve didn't get played a lot. Parachutes not played a lot. Big Wave played all the time, right, man? Well, all the time if you were at that one show in Hawaii or wherever <laughs> it was that they played it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can just see the people in Hawaii that are like not really big pros. Oh, cool surfing, man! Yeah, All right, cool. waves. I like waves. Cool, Jeff. So, um, yeah, but comatose and life wasted have been holdovers. While you know, worldwide suicide hasn't even been that much of a holdover. Right. Anyway, comatose into grievance, and grievance is a good unexpected encore track. Yep, but. If you listen closely, his voice starts like it sounds like it's starting to break during uh, the champagne breakfast for everyone part. Not That's a small critique. It doesn't mean anything. It just means maybe after a couple Chicago shows, he's starting to tire out. But uh, here, yeah, I mean, you do back to back nights back then. And, you know, here's my real question. Why not play this in 2018? They did not play this once this year. Why not bust this out every year? I mean, I. Yeah, great song. Make it, you know, make it, a it's binaural, so I, I get that it's binaural. I get yep. that they forget about it, but we could have used this Fenway night too. We could have used something like this that that would. I agree. Even that one, some one binaural song would have been would have been fine. But they played it here, and we go into black, and we don't talk about black very much because it's black is black. But something I realized while I was listening to this version, and I don't know if it's every version that they do it, but we're going to queue up the, at the end when he's doing the, we belong together part and just listen to it and see if you can recognize it.
when you first heard it, did you recognize anything there or no? No, no. You had mentioned something to me. I'm still having a little bit of trouble hearing it. I believe that you hear it. Um, yeah. It's not really coming through to me, but why don't you tell them what you hear? I hear Nutshell from Alice in Chains. Yeah, uh, I'm still I'm still having a hard time hearing it, but... It's there, man, right? Uh, if you hear it, I... I Sure, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not hearing it. I think that the songs, like I told you, I think the songs are very similar. So I could agree to that. I could hear that. But as far as like a direct snippet of it, as we might call it, um, I'm, I'm not quite catching up on it. You know, I, I thought at first that maybe it was intentional listening to it back. It might not be as intentional. So I'm off of that train, but I do think it sounds similar. Um, but I also like Nutshell is one of those songs that if I hear anything close to the chords, it sparks in my mind immediately because of how much I loved and still love Alice in Chains Unplugged. Um, right. Out of the three Seattle Unplugs, um, you know, believe it or not, it's Alice in Chains, then Nirvana, then Pearl Jam. I think Nirvana would probably be my number one because it's, it's, it's classic. just kind of yeah. Legendary. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, from Black Into the Real Me, which was played the night before. Uh, this one was played a lot in 2009, and less so as the years have gone by. But we only get one Who song tonight, as opposed to the two from the night before, and ending the first encore's porch. Which uh, has basically, you know, moved into the Alive spot that that was this night. Um, um Oh, yeah, because Alive was the, the night before Alive was... First set up, first encore, close. But this is... I'm talking about this night, Alive being first set, close. Right, right, right. But that, um, night one, I think Alive was in the spot that Porch is in. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm That's saying, what I'm trying to say. I'm okay. saying basically almost every every show from in 2018, Porch would, would, would have moved up. Um, oh, to... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking into, a, right. into the completely different set. You're right, you're um, right. Which is cool, which, like, what we said, what we were talking about, the trends. You start to notice new trends. Sure. And even though they do shock you with, with different stuff and switching some stuff up, they, you know, they do have their ways. Let's say Porch has a lot in common with the number 18 and 17 and 19, because that's... When you see this, the, the set list and the, the numbers and the songs going down, you usually see... That's usually where Porch is. And sometimes it can be in the spot where it is here. Right. But you're right. 2018, it was mostly in the first set encore. Second encore begins. And Mr. Vedder says, do you want some more? Because we got some if you need it. Ha <laughs> So you're going to tell that joke every episode. No, it's because Eddie actually said it this one. I'm not gonna ever mention it again. <laughs> oh, oh, so you're you're so you're a joke stealer. Uh, I'm not a joke stealer. I'm a, I'm a, a re um I'm trying to to retell history here. <laughs> a repurposer. A repur sure, yeah. That, that sounds like my life. Got it. You you gotta you gotta <laughs> recycle. You gotta recycle. And and reuse and reduce and sure. Um so Eddie talks about Chicago during this part, and it's his home. And whenever he's somewhere else, he wishes he could be back there at a, at the bleachers in Wrigley, uh, or hanging out in Epstein's box in Wrigley, which at the time didn't happen. Obviously, he was in Boston, but he he got there six years later, I would say. 
and then he wishes that he could have been in Chicago in Grant Park to see Obama get elected into office. So we go to Wasted Reprise into Better Man, which lets the whole crowd sing the entire first verse, which is cool, but, you know, it's not much different than any other Better Mans out there, so. As we said, it's another great performance of Better Man because you really don't get a bad performance, so. Sure, yeah. Crazy Mary, State of Love and Trust. Two great songs. I really like this Wasted Better Man, Crazy Mary, State of Love and Trust. I think that's... I think it's fine. It's a little bland to me. I actually, uh, I might have taken Crazy Mary into Encore 1, but I like this grouping. My problem with it is this, is that if you're not going to do a live here, which they go, say in love and trust into fucking up into let better. Uh, we'll get to fucking up in a second. But um, if you're not going to do a live here, I feel like it should have opened for something really rare and crazy. And it just didn't. I know fucking up is not often that they play it, but I wouldn't add something rare and crazy in encore two. If you're not going to do a live in encore two, I don't think you should have crazy Mary there. I think doing that after better man, even though the solos and everything, it's a fantastic performance. But if you're not going to do a live in encore two after state and fucking up, um, I don't think crazy Mary should be, should be in that, in that encore two. I agree. I agree that better man and crazy Mary bunched together like that is, is a lot because both songs, it takes probably about 15 minutes to get through both songs. I have no problem with Better Man and Crazy Mary being in there if after fucking up they did a live. Or before fucking up they did a live. But without a live in there, I think Crazy Mary should have either been moved or, or out. Alright, that's fair. It slows it down a little bit too much. It breaks up that encore two a little bit too much without having not a lot of time to yeah. pick it back up, especially with Ledbetter at the end there. You need a live there if you're going to do Better Man and Crazy Mary in, in the encore too. Okay. I, I, I'm with you there. I'm, it's a little bland for me and they should have done, they should have put something like extremely rare. They should, they should have started with smile here. I know they did it the night before, but something like smile before the waste of reprise. Um, but how about a little nod to State of Love and Trust for getting the alive spot here? That's a little. That's kind of like getting like one of your your old timers and uh, before before the game, you know, he's about to retire or something like that, and giving him a, a gold plated bat. Here, here's a nice gift for your your time well spent here. That's how I see that. You know, I have no problem with State of Love and Trust here. I have no problem with State of Love and Trust anywhere. Neither do I. But yeah, again, um, after Crazy Mary, great spot especially having Better Man and Wasted before that. But again, I'm going to come back to this. You got fucking up, and then Yellow Better. That Crazy Mary is still, it's, one of, it's my favorite Pearl Jam live song, but it's really sticking in my side there without Alive being in this, in this encore. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming it's from. It's just, it's ve- you know, okay. I, and, I, and I hope everyone else understands where I'm coming from, too. It's just, uh, like we said, I kind of look at the big picture. So I'm looking at this really, really awesome encore, too, song-wise. But I'm looking at it from number 24 to 29, and I'm saying it's missing something. Yeah, I'm with you there. And that's alive. Unless, like... What if they did Rearview there? Perfect. Like, they did, perfect. like, Rearview yes. into Ledbetter. Like, that, that's, that's, that's yes. the bringing together. Yeah. Or, or even just rocking in the free world and, and fucking up into rocking in the free world. E- both of those. Yes, perfect. Or Baba, something like that. Yes, yeah, I yes. I agree because because it does feel a little absent of something. Right. But it's fucking up, man. But it's fucking up, man. We got to hear it, right? Yeah. We- 
We got it here. Let's play it. Phil Jackson and all the banners around there, and uh, he dedicates the song to Rodman, number 91. Um, at some point, I think we're going to get into the Rodman friendship. Now's not the best time, because it's just end of the show here. Rodman's played with them a bunch of times in Wrigley, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to all that. So, Ledbetter and the Star Spangled Burner uh, ends the night, and that's the show. That is the show. That's the show. What do you... Not our show. We got a couple minutes left, but that's that show. No, that was their show. That was their show. Well, no, it was our show. We were there. You know, it was that's, oh, that's yeah. one of our shows. Yeah. We don't own it. We just we gave we gave them our money. Yeah, I, I guess we have a piece of it. No, we have, we have a piece of it in our heart. So, what would you like to do first? Would you like to talk about the day after a little bit first, or would you like to go into some people's uh, memories and stories? Because I have a couple stories here. I, is it, why don't we do the stories first so it can kind of be in order? What I would love to do first is if we could just both do a quick rating. Oh, we can do that. Sure. Okay. You want to go first? Yeah. Um, outside In the pantheon of all the shows that I've been to, it doesn't land in the top 10 because I've seen so much better. It's not an insult to what this show was. It's just I, I'd seen better, and this was fine. I was very happy with what, what we got here. But, man, if I gave this a 7, that means I thought it was better or as good as the first night at Fenway this year, which I'm not sure I want to say. But I'm just going to give it a 7 anyway because I think that's a fair mark. That's my number two. It's kind of without question for me. Easy 7. Strong, solid B plus. Okay. Uh, I wasn't at Fenway Night One, but I would absolutely take this set over that one. Yeah, I liked I liked Night One's encore more. Than right. Night, so. The only thing that because I love everything on it, the only problems I really have with the set list is I just don't I don't like the order of the set. Yeah, that's lost a couple points. It's on not even too. that it lost points because even if the order was fantastic, I still wouldn't give it a, a nine or a 10. I think I would probably give it a seven either way, but I don't want to give it a six because of a bad order, you know? Right. That's because that's just, it could be a great order for other people. You and I agree. It's a bad order, but we don't agree on the order it should be in. So I'm just going to bring that up, but I still give it a solid seven stick men B plus. But like, I like the, the experimentation with it. That's why, like, I don't dock them for, you know, putting a song somewhere that we thought it shouldn't have been because they're yeah yeah at least they're trying. They're trying to go out of their comfort zone. I I, I appreciate them like yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say you know don't experiment with some stuff, which they do all the time. Just uh, 
and I'm and I'm not taking points away for it either. I I just think it's something that I I gotta say is my opinion. I don't really like the order. Okay. Yeah, solid seven. So this one gets a seven from the both of us. Sevens from both. So I have a couple of uh, stories to share. And the first one is going to be the best one. I'm sorry to the other two, but this one you'll see in a sec. This is from Amy Wilk. She says she was lucky enough to have front row and she was on stone side, got a low five from Mike when he crossed the stage and she never thought she would wash her hand again. Gross. (laughs) She said she spoke with Jill that night and got to say hi to baby Harper. She's nine years old now. Wow. That's that's a that's a legit like almost teenager now. We should also uh, stop and think that we are also nine years older. Oh, uh, trust me, we we've mentioned that a couple of times. Oof, oof, man. Yeah, oof. right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Harper was wearing tiny and adorable headphones, uh, and she said she'd never forget the night because she lost a diamond out of her engagement ring as well as flattened it because she was slamming her hand on the barrier so hard. I hope she has insurance. She doesn't remember doing it, but that her husband said otherwise and <laughs> said that there's a YouTube video somewhere to prove it. Okay. We're, we got to look wow. for that. We got to, we got to find hey, that. Yeah. If we can't find it, if anyone out there could find that, uh, send it over to us. I should have asked her. Well, good thing. I know her name. I, I Facebook does wonders these days. Um, so, well, the jeweler fixed her ring and said it was great reason to ruin a ring. And it was. So she never wears it. <laughs> she never wears it to shows. She tells the story everywhere she goes. And she has a wave ring that she wears instead of that now. And it was the first show she ever had these amazing seats. When she picked them up at Will Call, the guy asked her how long she was in the Ted Club. And she's been in from the beginning. So looks like it paid off for her. Great story. Thank you, Amy, for sharing that. Uh, this next one is from Jeremy, and Jeremy spoke and said... Is that your real name, sir? Is that your real name? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. It's just me being a, a doofy idiot saying Jeremy spoke. <laughs> I would hope it's his real name. <laughs> anyway, here's what Jeremy spoke in podcast today. He remembers he wasn't planning on going, but then my wife surprised me with tickets for my birthday. It's a good wife. Perfect wife, yeah. I Happy wife, happy life. Uh, remember the band was on fire that night opening with hard to imagine was a real treat and set the mood Two of my favorite highlights were porch and the real me and Mike was particularly on fire on those two. They've also played two of my favorite tracks from no code in my tree in present tense and both sounded fantastic. Also led better is always great when Mike McCready plays the star spangled banner as SPB. I also enjoyed not for you better man. And they always take to the next level when they add the tags that are actually tags and not snippets and just a great set list and the band was tight overall yeah the band was tight this night that's something we lost they were they got lost a little bit in translation yeah the band the band was really good this night so um they didn't get a seven for being sloppy like the last one no 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 they sounded great that was that was not the problem uh, this one is from uh, Bradley P. Uh, is one of our guys from the Fantasy League. Well, I love Brad. What's up, Brad? <laughs> and he says, One thing I'll always remember is being incredibly excited to see them with Hard to Imagine. Open with Hard to Imagine. I'd seen it a couple times before, but I think it's great as an opener. In fact, I wish it'd be added to the rotation of opening songs. 
and has a similar feel as wash and I think can play it in, in the same frequency as wash to keep it feeling a little special. Agreed completely. I think it seems like uh, you and I and everyone seems to agree with, with that hard to imagine um, opener and it just being added back into rotation. So yeah, to- totally agree on this end too. Feels special. I mean, the few times right. that they do play it live, it feels special, but yeah, they should add it back. And him saying, especially as an opener, uh, completely agree. Eight times, that's it. So, right. Also shocked to see and thrilled to see Brother following set list at the time. I saw it was a possibility since it had been played a couple times recently on tour, but I never really thought I'd get a chance to see it myself, which we did. It was the sixth time ever. Yeah. Uh, as somebody whose favorite part of a Pearl Jam show is seeing something for the first time, that made my night. If you asked me 10 years ago to list some Pearl Jam songs I thought I'd never seen live, Brother would have been towards the top, along with Angel, Let Me Sleep, Strange Tribes, Bugs, and now all of those songs he's seen. Cool. The only other song I saw live for the first time was Fucking Up, which was cool because he's a big Neil Young fan, so neat to see. He loved the uh, modern girl tag off and of Not For You, which we didn't really talk about much, but again, like we said in the last show, that's, that's a very blender song. It just blends so well. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said the same thing. He kind of missed a live at the ending of the main set, but... Um, Oh, oh no! He says it different. He missed it having it there. We liked it in the beginning, the end of the first set, um, right? But it seems to always be used in the second encore to signal to the crew to turn on the lights. But liked it when there were several songs used in rotation to close the main set on the first encore, like "Blood," "Do the Evolution," "Spin the Black Circle," "Why Go," "Better Man," "Life Wasted," all used with rearview mirror and porch to close out the first or second sets. Yeah. That, that part they don't change enough right nowadays I think that they should like it's usually porch first set rearview mirror first encore a live combo they should add the variety to it uh, then he talks about the poster a little bit and says he's not a collector but he liked it and because uh, of the Chicago imagery and that yep Tom tomorrow we got that part uh, Chicago imagery it, it- it has the skyline in the back, but it also has a giant dickhead attacking people in the foreground. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not changing my mind. All right. So here's the one thing he says, uh, that this was the closest thing to a backspacer show that Chicago got. Um, this show is before backspacer was released. Hence the two songs, which we mentioned before. And the next time they played in Chicago was Wrigley in 2013, which was right before lightning bolt. That was the first time they had played, both Lightning Bolt and Future Days at that show. So, um, and then post, you know, the Lightning Bolt tour, they went to Moline, but they didn't go back to Chicago only for two more two-night sets at Wrigley. So they haven't, like, done album tours in Chicago, which I find really interesting, but they've done big shows and lead-up shows. So, um in the, in the history of Chicago shows, only a handful of Backspacer and Lightning Bolt shows have ever been played. Song have ever been played. Neat, right? Pretty neat. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we were in Chicago an extra day, and we got to uh, see the Cubs. 
got to go to Wrigley. How was that experience? You like that? Ah, yeah. That was so much fun. People talk about these old ballparks. Um, Wrigley Field, wow. I mean, this Wrigley Field was beautiful. I would love to go see another game there again. Uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to go to one more game, uh, a Friday day game, actually, which was kind of on my bucket list. Um, that was before PJ 20. Uh, and yeah, our favorite Mets reliever of all time, Aaron Heilman, gave up a grand slam in this game, which was awesome. Good. Good for you. Uh, and I remember I, I, you, bought, I th- you bought a Bradley shirt that day. I did. I bought a Ryan Terrio shirt because I thought it was really cool that his last name was The Riot. The Riot, yes. Yeah, that really was just a, such a fun, awesome experience. And not only that, but um, we're going to end this podcast once we're finished in this next minute or two. Uh, we're going to end this podcast. We're going to end it with Eddie's version of the Take Me Out to the Ball game, which he performed. Yeah, so we got to go to the game. We got to see Eddie sing at the baseball game. And we got to see him sing drunk as a skunk, as usual. You got three nights in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got three nights in a row. I don't know if you count this a third, but we knew he was he was going to be singing that night. So I think it made us want to go even more. Yeah. Pretty, it was a pretty hilarious, you know, 30 seconds yeah. or whatever it was. All right. I think it's, uh, we've been here for a while. And I think this was a really fun, uh, interesting show. And a lot of good talking points, but um, hit the music because I got something to say. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. So, uh, we thank you for joining us on today's show. Um, and next week is going to be good because we don't know what we're doing yet next week. Oh boy. If you're listening to this on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, I think Sunday is going to be the cutoff, uh, because we need time to prepare. We usually record. Oh yeah. uh, Next week. We're gonna we're gonna be doing our first live show. We're gonna be doing it in the same room. Yeah, we're gonna try week. to try to get it done in the same room, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah, yeah, next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, we could do next Tuesday. So let's make uh, let's make maybe uh, Sunday. We'll let them Sunday evening. Yeah. Yeah, we'll let them go through Sunday, and then we'll we'll pick whatever wins on Monday morning. So we sure could, we could get get our stuff together. Works for me. So it's gonna be a poll. There are gonna be three options to choose from. Option number one will be Toledo 2004. Option number two will it be Amsterdam Night 2 in 2012. Option number three will it be Charlottesville in 2013. So there's some pretty good shows to choose from. Um, these are all requests 
from, and I should say that again, these are all requests from people that were in our fantasy league. So the Toledo show is a request from Jimmy Bendix. The Amsterdam show is a request from Jeff Lilly. And the Charlottesville show is a request from Bradley Piasecki, who we mentioned like five times already. And we're going to be doing this more once we go on. We're going to be maybe like once every once every maybe five weeks or so we'll do a poll and we'll try to you know and if you talk to us continue the conversation and continue letting us know that you're interested and you know or donate to pay uh patreon you'll be the first ones we get in touch with to say hey pick a poll option um and you know a lot of people have said to us like why don't you do pj20 why don't you do uh Moline and with no code or Milwaukee with yield. We're gonna get to all those. You just gotta give it time. We're three episodes in. We we wanna build to the big guns. So we're gonna get to all those. But I think that's it. Is that it? Is that all we got? I think so. That was a good show. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, get this out for everyone to listen to on uh, Friday. And we hope you guys are enjoying it so far. Don't know what we'll do, but we'll be here because... I miss you already. I miss you always. I miss you all day. Let's hand the microphone over to our seventh inning man, Mr. Edward Lewis Severson. Oh, this room.